It's Monday, May 9th, and we have Elizabeth Redford of Next Move Program and Tablespoons Bakery. A national burger we have now? Tacos and steakhouses. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia, your number one podcast source for food news and interviews with the people who make Richmond restaurants great. Follow us on social media at Eat It, Virginia, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. My name is Scott Wise, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, my friend, Roby Martin. Today, we're in a bakery, and I cannot be happier. There are cookies in front of you, Scott. Life is very good right now. I feel like we've made it. I'm in the mint chocolate chip cookie room. I have absolutely made it. The walls are actually mint. We're at Tablespoons Bakery on Westover Hills Boulevard in South Richmond. And we're going to be speaking with Elizabeth Redford here in a moment. But we have some other restaurant news to get to. So we have a national burger. A national burger. I guess Adam from Cobra Burger just like sneaks off to the view and then wins some burger burger off. Okay, it wasn't The View. This is fact check time. Wait, it wasn't The View? It was not The View. It was The Talk. The Talk, which is like The View. Is it like The View? But on CBS. Isn't all of them four women and they talk a lot about current events and apparently burgers? Mm, You got half of it right. Okay, it's not four women. It's not four women. (laughs) Okay. It is a couple of women and a couple of men. Oh, this is the one that has the guy from... Stand By Me. Yes. Jerry O'Connell. There it is. So uh, Adam Musselman, Cobra Burger, co-owner, flew across the country to defend the honor of Richmond's burger scene. Who did he compete against? Good question. He competed against... The name escapes me, but it's the guy from Minnesota whose burger is the Juicy Juicy Lucy. Lucy? Yeah. Ah, very cool. And Adam slayed him. He killed him. He won. I mean, it's easy to breathe. Have you been to Cobra Burger? I have, of course. So of course they're going to kill him. Adam told me that when he was contacted by the producers at CBS, he was kind of thought it was a joke or something like that. I was like, do you know who we are? Do you know what our brand is? And they loved it. They said, fly out to LA and let's see what you got. So do we know what kind of burger he made? Well, it was on TV last week. I was out of town, so I didn't actually see it. Oh, that's why you have an excuse. Well, I didn't even know it was going to be on TV till someone from their restaurant sent me a message. So I'm sad I missed it. Cheeseburger, but we have all the highlights on the CBS Six website, wtvr.com. So go check it out there. And I'm sure Cobra Burger has has it all over its Instagram as well. I tested recipes this week. With Adam? No. With whom? With Warren over at the kitchen classroom. I'd, he has opened in the West End to teach people how to cook, and I helped him with his recipes this week. Warren from Gloucester? Warren from Gloucester. His That's last name escapes me. Haskell. Haskell. Right. Warren Haskell, kitchen classroom. So I made a bunch of different things that you can also make upcoming in the next week. Uh, so tell me a little bit about his new business. Where, where in the West End is it? Oh, gosh. It's next to the Elote Mexican restaurant, which you should go to right there. I don't know. Near West End. Let's say it's near West End. Okay. Do you want the exact address? Because I don't know that we either. Can Google that. West Broad. And his business, is he open for business currently? or he's Next week. Getting... When this comes out, it'll be the week following. What do you mean when this comes out? This May 9th. <laughs> okay. Right. There you go. May 9th. Love it. Steakhouses. You know we have a new one? We are rolling today. I have read an article, but give me the details. Kim and Mike Lindsay, who you know, Mike being our first guest ever on the podcast right. millions of years ago. Historic. Historical dude, historical stuff. Has They've opened like their 109th restaurant in 10 weeks. It seems like it. They're taking over the old Fatty Smokes 
Which is interesting because Mike used to be the Has chef some there. history there, yeah. yes. Um, yep, they're going to make it. I guess ML stands for Mildred Lindsay, which is Mike's mom. Who he spoke about on our podcast. He sure did, yeah. yes. Love in that family. They, they have a lot of love, and this is another turnkey restaurant space. They are slowly becoming the go-to for individuals who would like to no longer have their own restaurant. Did I see <laughs> That was a nice way of putting that. Did I see that this is like his ninth restaurant? It's 170th, yes. In two years? I think, didn't Lily Pearl open in twenty December of 2020? I don't know the exact date, but it has been a lot of restaurants in a very little amount of time. They cannot possibly be sleeping. And a newborn, and a new car I just saw. I don't know what, they, what, they're, what they're taking from a vitamin level in that house, but I need it. I need some of that. Are you going to get one of those mayonnaise tattoos? Yes. You are? Yeah, I'm on the Which waiting list. Which one did list. you choose? Oh, Death the before Hellman's. Wait, wait, wait. You're a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. I think you can probably get yourself bumped up to the no. top. No. A, I'm not. And B, no, I have no tattoos. I don't plan on getting anyone's. But do you know there's 70 people in Richmond that are going to get them? So if you haven't heard yet, a uh, local tattoo shop, Yellowbird, I believe is the name. Yellowbird Tattoo. Is offering, and Duke's Mayonnaise are offering free tattoos to lucky individuals who want a mayonnaise-themed Duke's Mayonnaise tattoo on their body. Did we miss the boat here? We could have gotten Hot Tomato Summer tattooed on us for our our entire work we did last year with Dukes. You're leading me in so many directions that I'm just not going to, I'm not going to take the bait. No. I'm not going to take the bait. You don't want hot tomato summer? Do you have a tattoo? No. Why do you say it like that? Because I, do you? No, but. Okay, then I don't understand. The way you said that was like, I don't have the, I don't have the ability to have. Cut your pearls, Roby, please. Yes. (laughs) It's because tattoos are not my thing. Also, it's permanent and I don't do many permanent stuff. Attachment issues. There's Roby. Okay. Yes. So, yes. So we'll move on to. Speaking of celebrities, Roby, you said you're not one, but I beg to differ. Mm-hmm. Because on Saturday, May 21st, you and I will be celebrity guests. And I laugh, obviously, tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. You will see celebrity guests of Elizabeth Redford and Tablespoons Bakery. Are we selling cookies? I think we are. The mint chocolate chip cookie? I hope so. Oh. If I, we don't eat them all first. I guess we can ask Elizabeth. We have her here with us today in the mint chocolate chip cookie room. That's right. The beautiful room. Hello, Elizabeth. How are you? Hey, guys. Great to see you all. It's good to see you. So, Roby, you know Elizabeth pretty well from what I understand. I go back a little bit. I'm familiar. Yep. Once, once, one time. And I'm still bitter, what, a little bitter. Tell us what happened. Well, let's just talk about this. One time I baked in the old tablespoons bakery with my favorite human patrick and uh spoiler alert we had a celebrity bake-off and i lost you lost yes that's not even in your vocabulary i know I, to whom did, no. who did you lose i don't know cole and charisma that's who oh, i that's the, who the youtube stars the YouTube cole stars. and charisma i lost to cole and charisma I mean, they're pretty cool actually they are pretty <laughs> very cool. they're pretty big celebrities dog the, those two folks if you don't know cole and charisma they have a, an amazing story and an amazing youtube channel and they post a video on youtube and within a minute there's ten thousand views on one of their videos it's pretty remarkable well, they crushed me but we're not here to talk about past failures we're not here to talk about cole and charisma it wasn't a failure i made a good friend I, I can we see had pie Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're so honored to be here. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. We are in Tablespoons Bakery, like we mentioned before, and Tablespoons is not your typical bakery. Why don't you tell the folks listening at home what makes Tablespoons so great? So what's really special about Tablespoons is we are a part of a larger nonprofit, the Next Move Program. And what we seek to do each day is to combat the 70% unemployment rate for young adults with developmental disabilities here in the state of Virginia. 
We do that through internships and we do that through supported employment. Define supported employment. Yeah, that's a great question. So supported employment is anytime that you have an individual with a more significant disability working in a workplace, they're going to need accommodations, they're going to need some extra support. We just um, told Elizabeth to come closer to the microphone. <laughs> so if you heard that pause, that's where she was coming closer. I was being closer. subtle about it. But, I, you know, I was not. Subtlety no. is lost in life. She's so well-spoken. I didn't co-host. want her, anybody to think that she was stumbling over anything that she has to say. So yes, yeah, so supported employment is anytime you have an individual with a disability. In our case, it's individuals with autism or those with intellectual differences. And they're going to need extra support to be successful at their jobs in the workplace. So it is everything from providing additional prompts to different accommodations. We also here on site do an entire educational offering. And our curriculum and our model have been endorsed by the Virginia Department of Education. So young adults come here, they do training with us on site, and then we also have them work in different departments within the bakery, everything from packaging to marketing to working in the kitchen to also doing sales at our main sales counter. And then do they stay here or do they go somewhere else after, I mean, is the word graduate? Yeah, so so some of them will. Um, in addition to doing internships for high school students, so students come here and they're receiving class credit, we're essentially set up to be a satellite school. So all of our staff are all special educators, and the, the model's been endorsed by VA DOE. So they're coming on site, they're actually receiving IEP supports here, and then they're going to graduate and look for employment out in the community. And what we're really hoping to do through this space, not only just to push barriers you know, further for these young adults so that people can see them out in the community working, really integrated and doing great things. But we're also trying to build out a larger network of restaurants in particular that might be interested in hiring some of these young adults because we know that we can only hire but so many. We've got five on our staff, but ultimately, you know, you want everybody to end up with employment once they leave. And then what, so what avenues are those specific? Like, would it be I don't know, let's just pick a restaurant, uh, Brenner Pass or Metzger, mm-hmm. like could uh, do, would they wash dishes or work in the kitchen there? Because those mm-hmm. skill sets would translate from here to there. For sure. So it's it's a mix and it really depends on their individual strengths um, as well as where they've done a placement with us here first. But the idea is while they are on site in our classroom space, they're learning about serve safe standards. They're learning about marketing. They're learning about inventory. We're also talking about much broader workplace readiness skills. So things like teamwork, professionalism, interviewing, social skills, you name it. So the idea is really to meet them where they are and then give these, them these educational tools so that they're ready for the next step. Um, Some of our young adults are going to be more independent, so they probably could be, say, in the kitchen. Other folks might need to do a little bit more training, busing. Uh, But a lot of our young adults, y'all met Kamani when you came in. He loves people. So he's going to be a fantastic greeter. He may be able to, with some assistance, be a server. So it just depends on the person. So awesome. Why a bakery? I mean, I know you have a a big operation. It's more than just a bakery. But why Mm -hmm. did you choose to open a bakery? 
So we love baking. It's such a joyful experience, right? There's not a day that goes by that we aren't listening to Disney tunes, dancing, taste testing all the goodies. But specifically why bakery is that with baking, there's a part of the process that every single student we work with can do and is going to do well. And we're able to layer in so many workplace readiness skills, social skills, and independent living skills that we're already trying to teach with them through the broader nonprofit and through our larger mission. Now, I'll tell you, when I walked in the door today to set up for the interview, I got the hard sell. I was like three steps in the door, and I was like, what are you going to get? What you, the, the, uh, the guys that work here. What did you get? I bought a, a mint chocolate chip cookie. I bought a chocolate chip cookie. I mean, I, I couldn't say no. Yeah, of course you can't say no. What are your favorite products <laughs> to, uh, to sample here, Elizabeth? <laughs> so you're totally teaching me up for this one. Um, <laughs> I actually can't eat any of our products. I have celiacs. So people always find that pretty interesting when they come into the bakery and they ask because I do a lot of the recipe development, what my favorite is, and I actually can't tell them. But I have lots of willing taste testers, always, (laughs) always. But I would say our number one seller is our oatmeal cream pie. I actually stole you guys one because we tend to sell out of them very early on in the day. It's so pretty. We'll post some pictures of that on our Instagram. That's that's my favorite cookie, by the way. Both both Ryan and I are... The the one that she gives us is your favorite cookie. No, no, no. But both Ryan and I, that's our favorite. Don't concede it to me. Nope. It's it's, it's our fave. It's a great cookie. Mm -hmm. I just like oatmeal and all all things. Now, will you ever make gluten-free stuff? We probably won't just because we'd have to have a totally separate separate kitchen Mm -hmm. space. Um, But we lease... Let's think big. You're going to have like far more kitchen spaces. I know. That would be amazing. (laughs) So we lease this space actually from a church and then we lease our our kitchen too from a church but it's a former parsonage house that we've gradually renovated Um, and prior to opening this space people really knew us best from the south of james farmers market community so it's really special for us to be just a few blocks away from where everything started you were cooking out of the back for a little bit of the church next door we were and then we were part of the hatch community for a while as well we love hatch That's great. Now, were you guys physically cooking in the hatch? Yeah, so we were in the larger section, um, but it was fantastic. We got to meet some really great people. So like Ellen from Fat Rabbit, love her, her. Jimbo and his whole team at Sus Casa. Mm -hmm. He's great too. So we really loved being a part of that broader community. During COVID, I had already done the capital raise for this space between like 2018, 2019. And then of course, we're going into 2020 secured this location, COVID hits, what do we do? So we knew we wanted to obviously move forward with the space. Luckily, we were able to bake still out of Hatch, but we needed a way to really connect with customers. So we actually bought a vintage camper. We call it our cookie camper. I freaking love that thing. I watched that whole thing change over. Yeah, Matt Lively did Mm -hmm. an amazing mural for us. So we would take that out in the community, do pop-ups. And then we also launched our cookie club program during COVID. We've got 114 members now. What? Yes. Oh, that's so smart. That's a really smart thing. And you, I mean, why aren't you part of a cookie club? What, what do I get as a member oh of the cookie club? What do I get? Cookie club is fantastic. Love? Love. I'll sign up then. <laughs> Love. <laughs> cookie form. Um, but oh. it is a dozen of a novelty treat. So a lot of the cookies that I pulled for you guys today started out originally as cookie club products. And it's great too, because we've got these folks who are really invested in obviously the success, the journeys of our young adults, but they're also great because we get to try out different recipes and get feedback from them. Um, But we've done everything from our Twix bar cookie, which is in there to our pop tart crumble, which Mm. has fresh strawberry preserves folded in. That's also in there. So I can see that one. Yeah. 
So a lot of the favorites on our menu first started out as cookie club offerings. So you're just like one day sitting around and think to yourself, I'd like to crumble up a pop tart and put it in a cookie. Is that what you do? Do you not think that? No, I'm I, <laughs> no, but now I do. That is, is that how you came up with that? Yeah, so I am a special educator, my director of education. She's also a special educator. It was September. We needed something that had a fun tie over to schools. Schools go back in session in September. That being a kid from the 90s, that's what I basically survived on, had every morning for breakfast. So yeah, so it, it was a fun thing to lean into seasonally. And then we've also expanded our menu here to do muffins. We do buttermilk biscuits that are phenomenal. We do edible cookie dough pies. We've started getting a lot of followers there. I'm sure. We've got a, a s'mores one downstairs. That's fantastic. We actually toast the marshmallows. <laughs> that sounds insane. Um, and any of the cookies here, we can turn them into our pie crusts. So that's a whole other element. But of course, it's egg-free and it's heat-treated, the flour that goes in, so it's safe to eat. I'd like to go back to the 90s for a second. That was a a good decade, just in general. Just going to stay there? I feel like. Mm -hmm. I wish. What happened in your childhood growing up that put you on the, the, the path of special education? Yeah, so growing up, I actually went to a small private girls' school in Richmond. There really was not any sort of special education program. It's called St. Catharines. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's around. Um, but my best friend growing up was actually born deaf. And I remember from a young age being in classes with her. I learned a little bit of sign, but all of the signs that, you know, were not approved by parents. Um, but just seeing her in that environment and seeing how she was so intelligent, so capable, but often our teachers, they were trying their best, but they didn't necessarily know how to meet her where she was. And then years later, I was actually diagnosed myself with a learning disability. And so I had my own experiences sort of being in that environment too. And then by the time that I got into my undergrad, I knew I wanted to work with kids. And I specifically loved working with kids that had learning differences. And I had my own experiences to bring to the mix. So I ended up getting my master's in special education from William & Mary. And I've now been a teacher for 13 years, which is like wild to even say. Um, but I started my career initially in the public school. So I taught for four years before I started next move. And then what was that jump all about? Why leave the classroom? So I loved the students that I worked with. I loved their families. What I really struggled with was just the amount of paperwork. If you talk to any public educator, especially during COVID, um, their experiences of just how overwhelmed they felt administratively, that was how I was feeling. I, I loved the students. I loved to teach but I didn't love the administrative piece of it. And I was actually at a cocktail party um, for a nonprofit in the area and happened to bump into somebody who was going to work at Health Diagnostic Laboratory, lab company in downtown Richmond, and they were looking to create an internship model as well as a supported employment program where they actively hired individuals with disabilities to work in that lab, and they wanted a special educator to help run it. So they hired myself, and then they hired our other co-founder for Next Move, Mary Townley. So we ran a very early version of, of Next Move for them, and then they went under. Um, I think I read about that. <laughs> Maybe there's only a couple of articles. So Next Move was yes. was, was in a like it was literally hatched in a lab. It was literally hatched in a lab. That's awesome. Um, and we loved it. We served all the area school systems there. At one point, we had close to 20 young adults that we were responsible for supervising throughout different lab teams in that space. And then once they went under, we spun off as a separate nonprofit and we came a 501c3 in 2015. 
and then started finding other businesses like Wells Fargo Corporate, Altria, some other great more local businesses like Ledbury Shirts and Quirk Hotel. And we actually took that model, revamped the curriculum so it could apply anywhere. And we started doing similar programming within those businesses. I work with my yoga studio. Is that right? Yes, Humble Haven. There, yep. We we currently have some yoga over there. It's mm-hmm. um, pretty cool stuff that happens with the next move. My sister is a special education teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, got her master's from UVA and mm-hmm. teaches in public education. And she has maintained that the paperwork is Wild. just yeah. She was in pri- in the private sector in Charlottesville for quite some time and moved with her family and just as it, it it's like I'm amazed how you guys even you I know I mean I run a nonprofit I know that that's crazy I'm just amazed how much you guys get done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know for our team here too, uh, we're all led by special educators. And we only have two full-time folks here right now, but we're literally able to serve as a satellite school because of our backgrounds, because of the partnerships we have with the school. So I still feel like I'm, I'm teaching. It's just teaching more so job skills, you know, social skills, these real world skills in a more creative sort of innovative way. Sure. We definitely are very much still tied to the schools. I love, I love that. I think it, I mean, it, it makes more sense as a dovetail than it does, you know, with loads of notebooks. Yeah. Is there a particular skill that you notice the individuals who come to work uh, with you need more than another? Or, I mean, everyone's different, obviously, but is there one overarching skill that you feel is the most important or the most needed? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the largest area that our young adults struggle with and really the research backs us up to is social skills. So they often are very eager to jump into a job. They've got a great work ethic. They can be great team players. Those are all things that maybe they've learned in the schools. But learning social skills, especially workplace social skills, how to get along with a customer versus a boss versus a coworker, and out in the community as an adult, that's a very different thing. And it's very challenging for teachers to teach that in a school setting. So... I have a two-part question. Yeah. Uh, first, how do you teach that? And second, you know, I don't have a lot of exposure to autism in my life. Um, I, I don't have very many close friends with autism or family members that I know of with autism. Um, if I'm in a situation and I recognize someone has autism, like, what's the best way for me to respond like, to make that the most comfortable situation for everybody? Yeah. So the way that we specifically teach social skills is we break everything down and we're teaching it in a very um, intentional, well-supported way. So we're not just saying, okay, go out, have a full conversation with someone. Let's actually start to talk about the different stages of a conversation. Most people don't know that there are several stages of a conversation that most conversations move through. Let's talk about body language. Let's talk about eye contact. Let's talk about what topics you can and can't talk mm-hmm. about, especially at work. I feel like um, a lot of people could use this, <laughs> use this lesson. I feel like 100% <laughs> of everyone I know could use a refresher. For sure. <laughs> so we, we teach those skills and we talk all about what happens when we do them, what that looks like, how it makes other people feel, how we feel. And then we just spend a lot of time practicing, but it's all very directly broken down for them. And then what's great is because the larger nonprofit is connected to so many amazing organizations like Humble Haven in the community, we also regularly bring in volunteers from some of our partners to practice social skills with our guys. And it's part of the curriculum. So I am not, um, I do not have a lot of 
uh, different disabilities or um, in my lifestyle either. I mean, Humble Haven currently, where there's an employee who I love. Benjamin, he's one of our graduates. Every yes. time I go to yoga, he's like, Robbie. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing in the world. Also, his folding technique. Let's just say our towels have never looked better. So that's a great question, Scott. Like, what are some of the things you can tell us as individuals that don't interact with these lovely humans on a regular basis? For sure. So I think the biggest thing is learning a little bit about the disability community. We actually offer diverse abilities training, um, but learning basic things like what language to use. The terminology for various types of disabilities is constantly changing. And obviously, people never want to say anything offensive, but every now and then, everyone puts their foot in their own mouth, right? Some so. more than others. <laughs> He's looking at me, and I totally understand that. Yes, I, could, I, I like to chew on my toes constantly. It's cool. Mm-hmm. But learning some of that basic terminology is really important. So can you enlighten yeah. us? So I always say, I, I mix it up. I'll say sometimes disability. I'll say sometimes diverse abilities. People feel very differently about which you should go for, and especially something connected to people first language, which is the idea that you acknowledge the person first, and then you share about their disability, something that they have. So I would say, this is John, he has autism, instead of this is John, he's autistic. Um, So using it as a noun versus an adjective, but other people feel very differently about it. And so we can see, and this is something we're advising a lot of the corporate groups that we work on this type of thing with, is, is asking people, almost like we ask people what their pronouns are, ask them what their disability label is, what language they best prefer, and then leading that Um, In terms of the young adults we work with, obviously being a little bit familiar with very basic accommodations is an important thing for everyone to be aware of. Um, Also gauging if you're sharing too much information, too little information, how to chunk information. But we do a lot of different trainings too for both organizations and just the broader community. So if people ever have questions or if they want to know resources, podcasts, books that we love, we're always happy to share those resources. And they also can come here. I'm sure that this would be a wonderful place. You buy a cookie and then get a little bit of education on how you can navigate all of this diversity. Yep. And we also love to share about the disability rights movement. Most people didn't know that there was one that happened here in the United States. It started out in Berkeley, and it was really all these amazing advocates and self-advocates who are pushing for more fair treatment and access to public buildings that their tax dollars were going to that they could not actually access. Um, So there's a lot of great history, too, to learn about as you dive deeper into these topics. How do you think Richmond is as a community in responding to the issues that you're bringing up? So it's getting better. I have been a special educator now for 13 years, and it's wild because having actually gone through grad school for this particular field, I didn't even know transition was a thing until it sort of fell into my lap and I was tapped to run this type of programming. Um, But I had never really thought about what happens to young adults after they graduate from high school, from this particular community. And I was a special educator. I mean, that's wild to think, but it is starting to get better. Um, I mentioned earlier that there's a 70% unemployment rate for this population in the state of Virginia. That rate is at 80% nationally. And pre-COVID, the general employment rates for the average individual without a disability was in like the single digits. 
So just thinking about those differences, that's something that we all have to find a better way to address. And there's a lot of research, too, that shows that these young adults, they stay in jobs longer, there's less turnover rate, that they are just as productive in the job if they have the right accommodation. So there's also a lot of business cases that can be made for why it's good to do this. Um, but everything from uh, renovating the access down at Huguenot Flatwater, we kayak all the time, they're putting in a wheelchair access ramp there. So different groups are starting to really think about life here in Richmond, everything from employment, the work that we do, some other amazing nonprofits like Live Art are really tackling inclusive art education. So we're seeing progress, bits and pieces, but obviously more always needs to be done. So how many students do you have total now? So we have five young adults that we've actually hired. They're all graduates. What's really special to us is they all actually started with us as some of our first students in the baking program when we first launched that in 2017. And they were also with us at the farmer's market for years. Um, so when we have so many folks that keep coming into this space, they've often remember Kamani or Chris or Shelly from the market days, and they've gotten to stay in touch through their time with us. But we have five young adults that we serve ongoingly through that supported employment program. And then we serve about 50 a year through different internship experiences. Yeah, that's awesome. And I do. I know, Shelly. Do we still do Fancy Friday? Or Fancy Tuesday? <laughs> fancy Thursday. Fancy Thursday. I'm so excited <laughs> that you know about that. It should be Fancy that. Tuesday and Friday as well. <laughs> I, I, well. I, I love, are you kidding? I love the fancy. Absolutely. I watch that constantly. Are you kidding? I, do we still do it? We've taken a pause on it. It got to be too big of a thing. People were wanting <laughs> to stop her. She's a celebrity, apparently. And have her dance. Sing. Yeah, um, yes. Yes, she is. She was also um, Christina Dick's Ryan. partner in the celebrity Bake Off, by the way. And can you imagine the, Can you imagine right those two fancies being in a... Pa- I think they made cupcakes with like actual art Diamonds? on top of them. Hello Kitty. It was Hello Kitty. Like, there it is. Not shocking because her memory is amazing. Christina, that's one of her favorites. <laughs> yeah. She's one of our favorites. So she's one of our favorites. Yep. So they, they were, that was a powerhouse team for sure. Let's talk a little bit more about where we are physically. Yeah. Uh, a beautiful space that you were telling me before we set up that you have a lot of sweat equity in this building. What did it take to turn this this old home into tablespoons? Yeah, so the overall process of getting into this space is also kind of unique, just like the rest of our nonprofit organization is. We actually lease it from a church, and then we, in a separate building on the same property, lease a commercial kitchen from that same church. But because our kitchen is in a different building than our retail space, we had to go through permitting, inspections, Mm. and construction in both spaces during COVID, Mm. nonetheless. Um, So that's where things like Cookie Club and pop-ups through our our camper, all of that became very important for us because we had hired the five young adults on our team. We needed a way to keep them busy, keep them employed. Um, But what's really special is because we did have a full year dealing with the construction, we really got to think thoughtfully about how we laid this space out. So even if you go into my office, which is the cinnamon swirl cookie room, by the way. (laughs) Did you choose yours? I did. (laughs) Um, But even just the seating choices in there. I have hard surfaces. I have like a whole fuzzy cowhide stool. Thinking about flexible seating with different 
textures because mm. a lot of our folks with autism have different sensory needs. So we got to hand select all of the items that we put in this space. The classroom space that we're in right now, these tables actually rise and lower. They can be flipped on the side to accommodate someone who's in a wheelchair. So we really thought thoughtfully about the particular population that we serve. And then, of course, the space is just so fun and inviting. We really wanted it to be in a neighborhood. We wanted these young adults to be as integrated as possible in a direct community. And I live in Forest Hill. Of course, we started at the South of James Farmer's Market. I love South of James. We knew that this community would really be on board with with our overall mission and really trying to uh, support these young adults and and help us carry out the mission every day. So... Actually, speaking of bakery, like you are part of Next Move and that was, so like when was it, baking is very specific so I can see how that would translate, but like when were you like, okay, we're going to bake? Like when did that happen? Like, I I mean, cooking is a totally different than baking and then like, when did that cross your mind? As as a celiac, probably you're not baking a lot of cookies. As a person with celiac disease, not as a celiac (laughs) We're not listening to as, her. As, as Elizabeth, who has celiac disease, <laughs> people Elizabeth. first language. Great yeah. job, <laughs> thanks, Scott. As Elizabeth with celiac disease, who has celiac disease, um, like when did that light go off, or like what made that light go off? I mean, obviously, it might have been Pop Tarts from the '90s, but I'm guessing it took a lot more thought. Yes. So when we started Next Move, the focus initially was to be out in businesses, within these corporations, within these larger local businesses, doing educational services and programming. But by 2017, myself and the other co-founder, Mary, we were really starting to think about what's next for our young adults. And while we could really focus on job training, on hopefully job placement, we still saw that they were struggling to develop friendships and to feel connected to the community. And so many of them, they would leave our doors, but they would be very isolated and very sad in a lot of respects. They didn't have opportunities to to make friends. And so we wanted a program that would still touch on the main mission of job training, but yet felt fun. And with baking in particular, it's such a great process. It's very objective Everything is based off of scales. Mm -hmm. Everything is baked at a specific temperature and a specific time. Um, Knowing that we have a great host of just base recipes. When we first started the baking program, we teamed up with a friend of ours, Britt. Britt Falabella, she was a professional baker in the community. She was actually the head events baker at Independence Golf Club. And she now stays on just as an advisor for us. But she gave us a lot of her base recipes to start with. And then once you've got a really great base and you know how that cookie is going to bake, you can switch out extracts. You can switch out the mix-ins. It's very, very predictable. So baking spoke to us from that standpoint. But in terms of the skills that our young adults can learn, everything from leadership to teamwork to customer service to how to count back change for a customer. We get to talk about marketing. We get to talk about so many important skills, entrepreneurship, right? Sure. And so they get to see the entire process from start to finish, and they feel very invested in that and in such a sense of pride, I think, because they do get to be a part of every step. So what are their schedules like? So tell me about the five that work here. Like what, like they, obviously they're doing a, 
I'm looking at several cookies here, different types. So they're doing a pretty hefty amount of baking. So let's talk about what their day, your your graduates who work here, let's talk to about their day-to-day responsibilities. So they're with us each day from about 8 till about 2, which are the hours that we're open. So that's when folks can come in from the community and buy our baked goods or grab our ironclad coffee that we have here. But they're also coming in a little bit earlier, staying a little bit later to help with setup and cleanup. Um, but we always have a team essentially running front of house here in the bakery house is what we call it. And then we always have a separate team working in the kitchen and they are just cranking through different, you know, recipes throughout the day. Uh, we tend to bake in very, very large Hobart mixers. So we're able to crank out about 400 to 500 cookies for each vat that we, we throw together. So we're able to really push out a lot of product. And it's fantastic because as the space has, has grown, not only have we gotten to do wholesale and we've gotten to do a lot of great pop-ups in addition to the retail here, but we also do loads and loads of corporate orders and catering orders for corporate groups. So for example, we've got about 2000 cookies leaving our doors tomorrow for a large corporate order that's going out in the community. So we keep them very, very sure. busy. Yes. Sure. That's a lot of cookies. It's deli- I mean, the whole thing looks delicious. I just, I just can't get over this box that's in front of you right now. Obviously, you're a nonprofit. So when someone comes to, and chooses to spend money here, where is that money going? So we love when people come and spend the money here with us, not to knock other maybe larger you know, retails, especially chains in the community. Everybody needs employment and they make some great products. But if you can buy baked goods from us versus say a Panera, for example, you're really investing in the community and you're able to invest in Kamani in his education, in his training and making sure that he has competitive employment in the community. Panera is one of our sponsors. Did you know that? Oh, shoot. <laughs> don't listen to him. They Absolutely not. Their cookies are terrible. I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, no. They, I don't I don't, actually can't tell you the last time I went to a Panera. Um, for some reason, having my food sit on a shelf, um, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not my idea of fun. Panera will never be one of our sponsors. No, well, good. Okay, good. <laughs> I want a local sponsor. Heck yeah. Nonprofit for life. We're going to be here. We mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. We're going to be here on May 21st, which is a Saturday morning. What exactly do you have us doing? What Am I baking? You're we also know bake. that I don't win that stuff. So like, let's <laughs> still bitter. If you had won, they would have invited you to bake. <laughs> yeah, right they totally would have let me bake you're if I'd up. won. You're, you're the Cole, charisma, I'm going to need your help. So you all are going to be serving as our first ever celebrities for the Celebrity Servers Program. Mm. And so the idea behind this is once a month on a Saturday, we're reaching out to friends in the greater Richmond community that have a great network, a great following, and we're having them come and assist our, our, we call them bakers, but it's really our young adults with diverse abilities on the team, assist them as they do their different job tasks. So for you all, y'all are going to be parked at Point of Sales. Nice. And you're going to get to help folks make item selections from our menu describe all the products just like Kamani likes to do behind sales um, hopefully sell some ironclad coffee as well and is there going to be a taste testing for us so we can be experts on the product because I mean if I'm going to sell your your cookies Elizabeth I need how to know many cookies do you have them. to taste I mean at least one of each right you think so you need one of each maybe two of each oh, okay so 
Uh, we, we, can, we can hook you up. With she just gave you a very food. disappointed look. That pause was not for uh, mic issues. That was a, what the hell are you talking about pause? No, she needs you to sell cookies. All right, fine. We, we can hook you up with a few to taste. This box like will be sufficient. Right this box will be sufficient. Yes, perfect. Um, but the other really fun thing is not only are we using this to really promote the mission of the nonprofit, which is, again, all about inclusion, diversity, selling the, celebrating these great young adults, but with the Celebrity Service Program, there's also a fundraising component to it too, where folks from the broader community can make a donation on our website and they would just list your name in the comment section and we're going to tally up how many donations come in connected to each celebrity server. Dang, I got to lose again? <laughs> and we'll have a winner for the year so you could it's win this one. not me versus you. It's, it's, we're going to win. Okay. Wonder Twin oh. Powers. We're All right, who are we up against? So that's the fun thing is we're just starting to come up with a lineup. So you all we're might be inaugural. able to challenge somebody even too for our next celebrity server. We're the inaugural we're group. The inaugural. And do we know anybody else? Do we have anybody else signed up? So we are going to be reaching out to all the other folks. Cole and Charisma probably. Cole and Charisma again? <laughs> They're going to kick our ass. Man, man. <laughs> Christina, Bill. Mm-hmm. Katie, you crop. Yep, Katie, Katie, you crop. Todd. I guess we, you know what? We do have kind of a ace in the hole though. We do. We do. Tell me. Well, Reba MC last time. Okay. And so I feel like I need to get Reba out here to MC. She, might, she our, might want her own weekend. You never know. Well, she could, but she she should totally come out here and at least MC our weekend because she wants to. <laughs> I'm going to nominate my friend Mark Cheatham as well. That would be awesome. I'm going to convince that. Mark. Mark would, Mark would be great. Yes. Mark would be absolutely great. Maybe we could get him and Ace Colwood and they can we do We love Ace too. He was our Santa. We did a Santa event and he was our Santa. Lots of good. They, those, are, those are two really good guys that would be... I can't, I can't, are they probably going to kick our booty? I just, should I keep it's nominating okay. people that it's are going to win? We all win, right? For it's because it's for a good cause. Okay, I'm down with that. So, friends, if you've made it this far in the podcast, Saturday, they've made it this May far. Elizabeth 21st, sounds amazing. 10 a.m. 10 to 12. To noon. Yep. 10 to noon. Come coffee here, drink time. some coffee, eat some cookies, say hi to Roby. Watch Scott taste test two Watch of Scott each taste. type of cookie. Buy Scott's cookies for him to taste I test. Like that idea. There it is. Everybody should buy Scott a cookie to taste test. Yeah, that way you can taste them and they still make money. 10 to 12, the 21st, we're just selling all the cookies. All the cookies. Drinking all the coffee, selling all the cookies. Drinking all the coffee, selling all the cookies. I don't know. I'm a little intimidated already. Cole and Charisma are going to be at it again, Scott. I can't. I just can't. All right. Maybe if I bring, a, maybe if I wear Hello Kitty, well, I'll have some. I'm telling you, I'm not bitter about it, but I lost. You don't sound bitter at all. Patrick and I lost. By the way, I see him relatively often. I guess he was working at Taste mm-hmm. or maybe still works at he Taste. He works at Taste. Yes. So that's, that's a graduate of yours that has gone. Mm-hmm. Also from a phenomenal young man. He appears to have gotten over the loss. I don't know if he is over it or not. We try not to talk about it. It's like one of those things, you know, it's like Fight Club. We can't talk about it. Hey, you're listening to Elizabeth Redford with Tablespoons Bakery, Scott Wise, and Roby Martin, the loser of Celebrity Pick Off on Eat It, Virginia. This episode of Eat It, Virginia? Eat It, Virginia? (laughs) This episode of Eat It, Virginia? No! Oh, God, no.